Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I belong to Him. I am complete, I am perfect in Christ Jesus, but I'm imperfect in function, I'm still becoming more and more like him. It's really important for us to understand and have a proper identity of ourselves. It's not so much in a name or what we do or where we live, it really is in that relationship that we have with God that our meaning and our being becomes important. This morning we're going to talk about Another, another identity that's really important for us to, to bring clarity to. It's, it's not that it's unclear for anybody here. It's not that you haven't thought about this or, or talked about this or understand this completely, but it's just kind of a reminder. And what we're going to talk about this morning is the church. Now, as we think about the church, we, we all know that this building isn't the church, right? We get that. We're the church. You know, in, in the Bible, doesn't it say that, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? that he dwells with, within you. And so when God is within us, it's because we are the redeemed. And when he is with us, wherever we go, we are to be his witnesses in his presence in the world in which we live. Who is the church? Well, the Bible calls the church a community of faith. So we're supposed to be community. Well, when I was growing up as a kid, I, I remember the community in which I lived. The, the things have changed a bit, I think. But the community I lived in, I, I knew the folks around me. I knew the shepherds were on one side and the Moonies were on the other. Mike and I went to school together and, you know, we hung out together in the afternoon and we played together. We knew each other. We spent time with each other. That's community. Uh, unfortunately, today we, we look around us and we're, we're so busy. Uh, you, you know what busy is? It's being under the yoke of Satan. He, he wants us to be busy so that we will neglect the things that are really the most important. And, and even in the idea of community, sometimes the, the reality of it is we don't even know who our neighbors are. Well, we may know their names, but we don't know anything about them. Well, we, we don't know anything about their life, you know, because what we do at the end of the day, because we've been so busy and we're really tired anyway, is we go in and we push the button if we have those doors on our garages and close the moat and go inside and turn on that, that idiot box and we kind of space out for a while because we deserve it, Right. But we, we lose the idea of community. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest needs in the world that you and I live in today among people, at least in voicing their opinion, is they're needing community. And we have it right here. It's called the church. We are to be a community of faith. People are connected to each other, people who know each other, people who care about each other. The Bible also says that the church is the body of Christ. Now, the truth of it is, I'm not the body of Christ. Sometimes I, I, I may act like I am. I'm the only one that really matters, but that's not true. I'm just a part of the body of Christ. But together, we are the body of Christ. And the reality of it is, is that when any part of the body is not working properly, then, then, then we're not able to accomplish all of the things that need to be accomplished. So it's really important that the body of Christ is gathering together and, 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 and working together 
as we scatter into the world to really make a difference and an impact in the world in which we live. We, we live out the function that Christ has placed us in his body to accomplish. We encourage each other. We, 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 we help each other. We remind each other of the fact that we do need each other desperately. There are no long ranger Christians out there, even though there's some that would like to be and some that say they are, they're really not. They're missing out on the opportunity of the fellowship and friendship that we'll be talking about in a little bit. What is the church? The church is a family. Now, again, one of the problems that I think we face in society that you and I live in today is that some families are just not functioning properly. Mine didn't. My mom and dad didn't know Christ until I was 18, and so I grew up in a family that was pretty, pretty strange. I mean, we, we rarely ate together. We never went on vacation together. You know, I, I only saw my dad basically when he came in on the weekends when uh, he'd just come off of a drunk and was trying to recover. That's not much family, is it? And unfortunately, because we have such a misconception about family, sometimes we miss the idea of what it really means to be the family of God. It means that we're in this together. It means I've got your back and you've got mine. It means that we spend time together, that we care about each other, that we work together, that we have responsibilities. If you had had happened to grow up on the farm, you probably were in a family that took responsibility seriously because everybody was given certain responsibilities. Sometimes in our homes, kids are given certain responsibilities and they're expected to do them. Today we think, oh, we can't ask our kids to do anything. That's just silly. Because family, we, we, we do it together. We are a team. We work together. We pray together. We eat together. We, we enjoy life together. We make a difference in our community together. And so as the family of God, we began to recognize how important it is that we truly are brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I go from place to place often, and, and I'll tell folks, they'll say, well, you know, Dwayne's our guest speaker. And I'm going, no, I'm not really a guest. I'm just family you hadn't met yet. My son, when he was growing up, he used to love to go to the, the, the family kind of things that we didn't do very often, but he liked meeting his cousins. He knew he'd go, family, oh boy, I'm going to meet some new family. And that's, how, that's the way it ought to be with us, that we begin to recognize that we truly are brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, the reality of it is sometimes brothers and sisters fuss and fight, right? And, and we're not going to get along perfectly all the time, but we're going to work it out before the day is over, isn't that? the right thing to do. That's what husbands and wives are supposed to do, isn't it? If you're fussing and fighting, don't go to bed that way. Finish it and settle it rightly before you even settle down. And so as brothers and sisters in Christ, we begin to realize how important it is for us to be God's family. And, and when we look back in the scripture, we see what God's family did. They shared what they had with each other. Now, now you're getting the metal preacher. What are you talking about that sharing stuff? I've worked hard for everything I have. Well, the fact of it is you wouldn't have it if God hadn't given it to you. If God hadn't strengthened you, empowered you, enabled you, and given the talents and the ability to to bring it in, you wouldn't have it anyway. And if you weren't born in America and you were born in some other land, you may not have any of it. But God's been good to us, hadn't he? And so as the family of God, we begin to realize we do have a personal responsibility for those around us. And though it may be tempting to to just accumulate wealth and use it for ourselves, we begin to realize here's an opportunity for us to help take care of the needs of those around us, especially those in the family. It is our responsibility to help other believers, those who are suffering, those who are, are going through times of poverty. 
whenever we possibly can. The truth of it is God's family works best when we all work together. When we truly are living out the functions of the body, when we really are being responsible and accountable to each other as the family of God and caring for the needs of those around us. Jesus said in John 13, 34 this, a new commandment I give unto you. Isn't it interesting that he had to give us a commandment? And the reason for that is this, by nature, this is not normal for people. So this is what Jesus said. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. So he's the model that you also love one another. And that kind of love means sacrificially giving to those around me. What do you mean? I work so much, I work so hard and I'm so tired and I don't have time for anything else and sacrificial love, just like Christ did giving of ourselves to those around us. In John 17, 20, 21, he said this, I do not pray for these alone. He was looking around the folks that were with him. He said, Lord, I'm not only praying for these around me, but then he goes on to say, I'm praying for those that haven't even come yet. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you and for me? He prayed for us before we were even born. That's what it says right here. And he, he, he said that, and the reason that I'm praying for those that haven't even been born yet, those of us that are, that are here today in Christ, he said that they may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The world will never really truly know that God really is who he says he is and that our identity really is the one who, who redeemed us until the body of Christ comes together in oneness. Are you in one? Day three? Are you moving together as one body? Are you moving together as, as one family? Are you moving in the direction that, that will honor and exalt God together? Are you doing your part? Are you living out your, your ministry? Are you invested and involved in the things of the gathering, but also in the times of the scattering? You see, that's the way the church functions. It's really important that we gather. We gather in small groups like your life groups and Sunday school and, and other times we do that for accountability and for continual learning and for equipping. But there are times that we need to gather together corporately. We need to be the family of God that has the family reunion once a week, at least, and, and, and getting together to encourage each other and spend time with each other. As the community of faith, as the body of Christ, as the family of God that's making a difference in the world in which we live. And as we do that, it should be our desire to then begin to measure up to the fullness of the standard that, that is set before us. I'm not the standard. Your pastor is not the standard. The best person you know on earth is not the standard. The standard, his name is Jesus. And so we're beginning to, to recognize how important it is to encourage each other to become more and more like Jesus. Is that true for you and me? Are we really more like Jesus today than we were in January? Are we more like Jesus today than we were the day we received Jesus Christ? For some, that was a long time ago. But is there any evidence that you really have become more like Jesus? Family, that's part of the responsibility we have. As a parent, we have a responsibility to help our children to be equipped and encouraged and, and to be enabled to go out into the world. We're to do the same thing for each other. That we help each other, encourage each other, and, and, and nudge each other if we need to do that to get folks out and invested in the advance of the kingdom of God. There are three vital steps that I think are really important for us to, to really become the church that I think Christ would have us to be. 
Let's spend a few minutes as we begin to examine that and we begin to unpack that. And, and the first simple step is this. It's vital experiences. There's some things that are just extremely essential in the, in the Christian faith. And we're going to talk a little bit about those. Uh, we're going to see what it really means to develop our faith and hope and love and how that can be expressed in the world in which we live. We're going to talk about church structures. What is a, what is a church? How, how is it supposed to be set up? How is it supposed to be functioning? What are the structures that are in place that need to be in place to see the advance of the kingdom become reality? And then thirdly, we want to talk about prayer and ministry. Where do they really play a part? Why is it important to pray? Why is it important to serve? Let's go back to the first one, the vital experiences of the church. You see, Luke provides for us one of the most comprehensive snapshots of what the church looked like in the beginning. I think it's really important to understand the roots, don't you? To go back and really understand how it all began and to begin to see the the pieces that were in place that made the church the church. So in Acts chapter 2, we see this spelled out. And I just want to share these verses with you. Some you're going, I've heard these before. We'll listen again. Uh, And it begins in chapter 2, verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Could you imagine having a rally and having 3,000 people come to Christ yesterday? What would you have done with them today? (laughs) They didn't know what to do with them either, except for to love them and teach them and begin to disciple them. And they, after they did that, this is, this is kind of the, the exciting thing. This is what happened. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and in fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and their goods, and they divided them among all, as everyone had need. So continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Reading scripture, having fellowship, sharing a meal, praying together, seeing the miraculous signs and works of God, sharing with each other as each other had needs, daily meetings, joyful living, sharing the gospel, the good news of Christ to those who who needed to hear that good news and who were in need of the hope that only Christ provides. Through those many pieces, I want to take just a few minutes and, and, and just look at three of those essentials. Now, we could look at all of them and spend weeks and months and years just examining the pieces, but I want to focus on three that are, that are extremely primary, I think. And the first one is the scripture itself. You see, every Christian must experience the vital learning of what it really means to dig into the word of God. Now, there's some people that can feed themselves, spiritually speaking. Uh, And and there's some that can that don't. And so sometimes we need a little encouragement. That can be in small group. It can be in times of worship like this. When when the worship, the singing of praise, the the words, the message uh, that are more than words that really are things that are lived out from our lives. And, And then the taking of the word of God and beginning to apply it to our lives. Because... You know, here's one of the problems that I faced over the years. I've been, been involved in trying to share the word for over 40 years. And, and one of the things that, that scares me is that what I've shared only became information for people. 
when it really was supposed to be application. If you can't take the words that you're learning and put them into your life, then you pretty well lost them. And, and so the, the, the application of Scripture becomes a crucial piece in the life of God's people. In the Scripture that we just read, it said that they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They knew as much as they did about the Old Testament, and, and they were the ones who God used to actually pin the words that we have in the New Testament. So they were just teaching the Word. They were expounding the truth of God. After the Holy Spirit descended on the day of Pentecost and Peter stood up and preached, over 3,000 came to Christ. And they began to continue to teach them and show them and explain to them and give them information. It's important for us to, to study the Scripture. It's important for us to memorize the Scripture. Because, you know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, when the time is needed, at the very moment it's there, will bring to your remembrance what God has said to you. But you know what I'm convinced of? If it ain't there, it's kind of hard to bring it up, isn't it? So at some point, we need to be exposed to it. At some point, we need to have studied it. At some point, we need to try to memorize. And some of you are sitting there going, I can't memorize Scripture, and I, I just disagree. I think you can. If it takes you a whole month to memorize one verse, then take a month. But most of us can do a little better than that. And even if you can't remember verse and everything else, God's spirit will bring it back to your remembrance when you need it. I was talking to a, a lady last week and she actually as a child learned 300 verses, memorized them and was amazed years and years and years later, how the Holy spirit continued to use those to minister to others and to minister to her. And so the word of God is foundational. It's the primary book that we get all our things from. It's the, it's the standard by which we, we move forward. It's the thing that, that leads us and guides us and directs us. We do it in so many different ways. We ought to be doing it personally. We ought to be doing it in a small group. And we ought to be doing it regularly in this gathering. Because that's an important part of our maturing process that we really become more like Jesus. The first vital experience is the scripture. The second vital experience is Christian fellowship. The Bible said they were constantly devoting themselves to the fellowship. Now, you see, the word fellowship in Scripture really talks about more than just hanging out together. It, it, it talks more than, than just having a meal together, even as important as that would be. It talks about the true, true, true principle of living life together. As a matter of fact, eating the meal is more than eating the meal. You understand that, right? Now, so many times a day, because we're busy... Because we're really beneath being under Satan's yoke and, and, and that we're just too busy that oftentimes we don't take time to enjoy the meal together. And if we do, we're trying to get it down as quick as we can so we can do something else. Or occasionally in my house, I know you never do this, we actually watch it TV while we're eating. We don't even talk to each other. It's sort of like, we've missed the point. The whole point of getting together to eat together is a part of the fellowship, the koinonia, where we're doing life together, we actually talk to each other. It's where you do checkup. It's where you see what's going on. It's where you get to know each other. It's where you begin to develop and, and build those relationships as the family of God. Not, not only our personal families, but those in the family that we're getting to know, that we're working with, that we're caring for, that we're touching. And so we do eat together. But listen to this in 1 John 4.20. The Bible said, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he really love God whom he's not seen? And if you really love your brother and your sister in Christ, aren't you going to spend some time with them? It makes sense to me. I love my wife, and so I like to spend time with her. I mean, if I left for a couple of years and say, hey, I still love you, but I'll see you later. So like, wait a minute, something's wrong. 
But we get together because we do care about each other. We get together because we want to encourage each other. We get together so that we really can lift each other up. They ate together, but they also prayed together. Corporate prayers was an important part of the life of the early church. Individual praying is necessary. Small group praying is is needed, but, but corporate prayer was a part of what they did. When they came and they shared and they prayed and they encouraged each other, And some of the great prayer meetings that broke out from that began to touch the lives of people in the community. I've heard of a church in New York that actually began to pray for their entire community by name. And they even found that people that they haven't even visited yet started coming to their church. I'm not saying that's the best way to do it, but hey, it works. Because prayer really is is powerful and prayer really is important. And and prayer among the New Testament believers was, was in the context of human relationships. It wasn't just talking to the God of heaven who created us and redeemed us. It really was getting each other invested and involved in the lives of of each other as they began to encourage each other and hold each other accountable. As folks literally began to do what the Bible said, they confessed their sins one to another. Now, here's the problem in the world that you and I live in today. Maybe not your world. I hope not in your world. But in our world today, if, if, if I come to you and I confess my sins, you go tell somebody else. That's not the point. The point is that I stop and pray for you, that I lift you up, that I encourage you, that that I try to help you out. It's not that I expose you. And and, and the early church wasn't about exposing. It was really about encouraging. It was about about helping each other become more and more like Christ. They ate together. They prayed together. They shared their material possessions together. Again, the scripture said, and all those that, that believed were together. They had all things in common. They began to sell their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. The early church, they were unselfish. They were generous, generous to, the, to, to, to everyone. I mean, it was just, if you have a need, we take care of it. It wasn't how much can I hoard for me. It's not much, how much can I put away in the bank so I can have a, a good retirement. I keep hearing that. I keep seeing these commercials on television. You need to have so much money. You know, and I'm kind of going, who has that stuff anyway, right? And so, someone asked me a while back, they said, Dwayne, when do you plan on retiring? I said, when I die. I mean, I, Come on. Why would I want to anyway? I'm serving Jesus. I don't want to quit. I ain't got time. I, I just want to keep being faithful to what he's called me to do and who he's called me to be. And, and so that's what they were doing. They were just going, hey, somebody had a need. We're going to take care of it. And then fourthly, they began to praise God together. And that's what we're doing here today. That, that's why part of the gathering is so important because it gives us an opportunity to praise him together. The praise of one is, 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 is great. But the praise of many, I think, is even more as we're lifting our hearts in praise to him. And so it's not about us. It's about him. We're singing to him. We're praising him. We're exalting him because of who he is and what he's done for us. And we begin to recognize that we do that. Uh, even Jesus himself did it. The Bible said in the, in the gospel of Mark that when after the Passover, they were getting ready to leave. Before they left, they sang a hymn together. Isn't that neat? As you're going down the way, sing a hymn. As you're going out to work, sing a hymn. As you're going out to visit, sing a hymn. That's what they did. Why? Because it was songs of praise to the Almighty God. The Bible said, and day by day, continue with one mind in the temple. So the gathering together, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness, sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And that's kind of the results of it is that the world begins to see there's something different about God's people. 
When day three is the community of faith, the body of Christ, the family of God that's living that out in the world in which you live, I want to tell you something. The world's going to break down the doors to get inside. They're hungry for that. They're in desperate need of that. And they want to see it. They want to see it modeled. They want to see the Jesus that you and I say we have within us being lived out among our relationships with each other. And once they do, it will begin to change everything. The third vital experience that that I want to mention to you is the fact that they were witnessing to those who were lost, those who were far from God. One of the most important ingredients that impressed unbelievers was this community of love. That's what was drawing them to these people. And then when they began to see the love of Christ that was, was in them and the fact they cared for each other and they were praying for each other and caring for each other and ministering to each other and having time with each other and really were the community that they really were hungry for, then they shared with them the good news of Christ. And, and, and family after family was coming to Christ. 3,000 here and even more later and even more later and even more later. And literally the whole world got turned upside down because these people were just loving each other the way that Jesus loved them. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it this way, by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So what's the world see when you and I are out there? What's the world see when they're looking into churches? Now, unfortunately, I work with churches sometimes that have conflict. I know you never have those, okay? But there are actually some churches out there that have conflict. And they don't deal with it real well. And when that happens, it becomes a bad testimony in the community. And it's not that you and I are losers. It really is that God's kingdom advances the loser. It's because the world's looking at us and going, if that's what it is, I don't need it. You know, they're like, wait a minute. Let's get it together. Let's settle it. Let's get it right. And let's move forward as God's family to make an impact in the world in which we live. The second step we mentioned a minute ago was church structures. And here's the thing that, you know, sometimes we get a little confused on which is the right structure. Is it the Baptist structure or the Presbyterian structure or the Methodist structure or the Catholic structure? Which one's the right structure? And here's, here's the thing about the Bible that I think is so important for us to understand. It doesn't tell us. God didn't explain in great detail. The Holy Spirit chose to, to not show us exactly how they were fully functioning and structured in the early church. You know why? Because if he had done that in the year 2015, we would have a church that looked a whole lot like Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And God said, that's not my plan. So what God did is he gave these biblical principles that are eternal. They, they're, they're, they, there's, there's no negotiation on these things. And so what he did is said, here's the principles that you need to put in place. Allow them to be expressed in different ways in different places wherever you may be. When we were serving in South Korea, we discovered that, that one of the things that, that, it, that happened before, way before we got there is that a group of Christians had come and they brought Christian hymnals. And, and so the Koreans just put Korean words in it to the same tunes and they built American churches. And, and I'm kind of going, you know, what would have happened if they really allowed the Koreans to express the gospel in their culture? I, I think it would have exploded more than it did. It got a pretty good foothold, but it really could have exploded more. And so God's going to use different expressions to be able to do this, different types of music, different styles of everything in order to get it across. But the principles don't change. And, and those become, again, the non-negotiables as we hold on to those things that, that God says is eternal and we utilize them to make a difference in the world in which we live. So in summary, basically this, Bible teaching churches emphasize scripture. 
The Word of God is always exalted. It is the final word. A number of years ago, I was in a church, and we were talking about a subject, and, and, and someone asked the question, and I said, well, the Bible says, and I quoted from Scripture, and then he asked it a different way, so I said, well, the Bible says, and after about the third time, he looked at me and said, I don't care what the Bible says. See, I've got a problem with that, because I do care what the Bible says. And if it's not clear with the Word, then we don't do it. It doesn't fit. We don't, we're not going to involve or invest ourselves in it. And if it does say we're going to do it, then that's exactly the way we're going to go. So the scripture becomes the key piece. The problem is if scripture isn't the key piece and all we're thinking about is, is head knowledge instead of heart knowledge, then we're going to get in a mess real quick and we're not going to become more like Jesus. The second thing was simply this. There needs to be relational churches that emphasize fellowship. Warm, accepting churches which experience worship together. The world needs to see what you folks are doing here this morning. They need to experience this with you. Now, since most of them aren't going to come unless you invite them, you probably should. If you haven't invited anybody lately, then I would encourage you to do that. And, and bring them with you to experience the presence and the power of God moving in the midst of the place. As you began to encourage them and help them and, and, and you began to, to encourage each other. When we don't do that, doctrinal impurities began to creep in. When we try to just hang out by ourselves and when we just kind of do our own thing and we begin to neglect scripture and we forget about the assembling of ourselves and, and we, we just don't do those things well, then, then all kind of problems begin to erode at the, at the base of Christianity that's around us. So we want to make sure that we stay true to each other, that we begin to do life more together, that we really care about each other, that we invest more time in each other. Again, at least we ought to like each other, right? Not so much that everybody goes on vacation together. That'd be weird. But at least like each other enough to get invested and do life together in reaching the world for Christ. And the third area is simply this. Evangelistic churches have a strong emphasis on, on witnessing. There are some churches that are they're very effective soul winners. They take a stand for Jesus. And we have to do the same thing. The, the truth of it is... There's some people that I've heard over the years that said, well, I hate to say anything about Jesus because I might be offensive to him. Would you rather him go to hell than not hear about the Christ? I mean, which one's more offensive, right? The fact of it is that sometimes we have to be a little bold in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those who are hurting and need to hear the message. And this is something that I've discovered years ago. Successful witnessing is sharing Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. It's not your job to save them. I've never saved anybody. Have you? You can't. He, he saves them. I mean, it's his job, not mine. But it is my responsibility to share him. We have a personal responsibility to go forth into the world as we scatter from this place and be his witnesses to the world in which we live. Those kind of structures put in place are those biblical pieces that will enable the church to move forward even in different expressions that it'll come out in. And then the final step was prayer and ministry. Building and developing a mature church is, is both, both a natural and a supernatural process. So number one, prayer says this, I can't do it. He has to. I depend on him to change lives, to make a difference, to strengthen me, to encourage me, to help me stay in track, all those things. I, I depend upon him. I can't do it. He saves them. I can't, but I can share. And I can trust him with the results. 
as he takes over the lives of the people around him. And then, and then I get invested and involved in ministry. God never called us to sit. He called us to serve. We need to sit from time to time as we gather together, as we come together as the family of God, the community of faith, the body of Christ, and we work together, we prepare together, we train together, but then we scatter to, to go out into the world to make a difference, and, and we need to serve. We need to serve the church. We need to care for those in the body, but we must never, ever, ever forget about those outside the body of Christ, which there's a bunch of them, and they need to have the witness that you and I have within us, the witness of Christ. The vital experiences that are so important, the Word of God is the foundation, fellowship, doing life together and sharing the gospel, it's, it's essential. You, you can't leave those things out and really be the church that the church is meant to be. The church structures, again, are built on inter, internal principles. They're, they're, they're not boxed in. God, you can't box God in. The principles stay the same, but the expression is going to look differently in other places, and that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And in prayer and ministry, the reality of it is, is that we're depending on God to do this one. We're going to be available, but ultimately he's got to do it. I, I had a, it was last week, actually, I, I preached in a church and I had a lady come to me afterward and she said, preacher, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble now. She said, you challenged us today, but you didn't move us. I wish I, I, I wish I'd have been a little quicker on my, my feet than, than I was, but the Holy Spirit shared something with me even a while ago to remind me of this. Ma'am, it wasn't my job to move you. It was his. And if you weren't moved, you better check up. Something's going wrong. Because <laughs> all I am is a vessel. I'm just sharing his word. He does the work. And if God's spirit is not moving us to do something, well, we're in trouble. <laughs> and that starts with me, okay? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond and be obedient to him. One, one of the greatest acts of worship is obedience. As we continue to worship this morning, would you be obedient and do what he's told you to do? I don't know what that is. It may be there's an area of your life that you need to make an adjustment in. It may be something you need to confess and repent. It may be that God's reminded you of someone you need to be praying for. Uh, and if that's the case, I'd encourage you to come to the altar. You can pray where you are, but... Uh, getting out of your seat and coming and just lifting them up to Christ. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never really stepped over the line of faith and put your trust in Jesus, the one that I shared with you that redeemed me through his blood as I trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection. God is calling you. Be obedient to him. You do what he's told you to do. Father, we thank you for your presence we thank you for your power. I pray that each of us will be obedient and that we will do what you've told us to do this morning. If there are decisions to be made to receive Christ, I pray that no one will hesitate but get out of their seat immediately and come to the front and let us share with them how they can know Christ and have a personal relationship with him. If there are other decisions as, as the church is, is sitting and the church is worshiping and the church is considering what it is that you've said, if there's some things that need to be responded to, Father, I pray that we'll not leave here until we've settled our business with you. Lead us now in your invitation, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online 
at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.